You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. need to make a stand. And it only takes one person to do that. And God has often defeated evil by causing one person to realize that he or she was in a strategic position and therefore must act for God and for his truth. I'll give you a couple examples of this. How about Esther? How about Daniel in Babylon? How about Martin Luther? So may God help us to do as these saints did. We are living in evil Throughout the Bible, we have seen people intentionally cause great harm or evil. Whether it was a Pharisee or a bad king in the Old Testament, they would go against God's way of life. However, God often uses people to stand against injustice and to proclaim His truth. In today's message, Pastor Mike will encourage us to stand for the truth of God. We must not be afraid of the darkness in the world, but rather stand against it as a light. When we stand against these things, we are not alone. God is with us. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Kings chapter 1 as he continues his message, God's Purpose Prevailing. the book of Proverbs in chapter 29, in the book of wisdom in verse 15, Solomon tells us, the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself, and that's exactly what happened with Adonijah, he was left to himself, brings shame to his mother or his father. And so maybe that was some of the reason why Adonijah was lifted up in pride, wasn't concerned about his father's uh, selection. Now in verse 7, we are told, and he, Adonijah, conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and with Abiathar, the priest, the high priest, and they following Adonijah helped him. So Adonijah conspired with Joab, who was at this time David's chief general, and Abiathar, the high priest, making his alliances. And again, these were men of influence. What Adonijah had done was very similar to Absalom's attempts to unseat David as king. Now, Adonijah's scheme here should alert us to the sad fact that we are going to find evil and evil plans in the most unlikely of places, even within the church today. I mean, Adonijah and his cohorts carried out their plan, as we will discover, 
within the context of the covenant nation of Israel. And the modern-day successor to Israel is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we expect to find evil in the world, but we think the church should be exempt from it. So Adonijah rejected the will of God concerning his brother Solomon. He sowed seeds of discord in the nation, and he gave way to pride and ambition. Folks, these evils are still found in the community of faith today. And we need to be on guard about this sort of thing. Rebellion against God's will and his truth, discord, pride, and ambition. Now, let me also say that when this ugly sin raises its head within the Christian community, within the church, we're not just to give into it, to have some kind of a fatalistic attitude towards it, And this morning, we're going to discover, in just a moment, what we are to do. So, let's go back now to our text. Notice there in verse 8, there we read, verse 8, But Zadok the priest, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet, and Shemai, and Rei, and the mighty men, remember the reference to the mighty men, those 600 men that were when we were first introduced to them, were outcasts of society. And David molded them and shaped them into a a great fighting force. They were sort of like David's uh, mercenaries. They were elite fighting men. Notice they uh, remained faithful uh, to David and David's selection, which belonged to David, were not with Adonijah. And so these men were not going to be a part of this conspiracy that was now set in motion by Adonijah. Now, in verse 9, And Adonijah slew sheep and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zahotlith, which is by Enrogel, and called all his brethren, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. So, Adonijah made a great feast, and if you think about it, this was a good way to muster up support and announce his intention to be Israel's next king. And then in verse 10, we read, But Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah, and the mighty men, and Solomon his brother, he called not. Now why was it that he didn't call them, or they weren't invited to the feast? Well, because he knew they wouldn't be on his side. Now in verse 11, Wherefore Nathan spake unto Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Hast thou not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggath, doth reign, and David our Lord knows it not? Okay, so Nathan begins to make his move, and he goes on the offensive. He realizes that he is in a key position to stop this. And he provides for us a great example. You see, Nathan the prophet was someone who was alert. And we also should be alert. That is, concerning the things that are going on in the church. If there's any evil, any false teaching, anything that would disrupt the fellowship of the the saints and God's plan for the church. He was alert. He was watchful for any evil within the nation that would affect the nation. And he was watching for those whose ways are 
a danger to the truth. And so Nathan stood against it. He knew the subtlety of it, the terrible damages that that could create. And so listen, God has often defeated evil by causing one person, and so if we ever become aware of something like this within the church, and over the 40 years of my being involved in ministry, I've seen this happen, you know, certain individuals getting lifted up in pride and, you know, doing their own thing. They're not concerned about, you know, God's ways or God's truth and stuff, and it's all about themselves or drawing disciples unto themselves. We need to make a stand. And it only takes one person to do that. And God has often defeated evil by causing one person to realize that he or she was in a strategic position and therefore must act for God and for his truth. I'll give you a couple examples of this. How about Esther? How about Daniel in Babylon? How about Martin Luther? So may God help us to do as these saints did. We are living in evil days, and we need to be discerning uh, Christians. Okay, so let's get back into the rest of this chapter here. Okay, let's pick up in verse 12. Okay, verse 12. Now therefore, come, let me, I pray thee, now this is Nathan now speaking to Bathsheba, let me give thee counsel. Here's this one guy standing up for the truth, okay? So he's going to do everything that he could possibly can do to put an end to this evil of Adonijah, resisting God's selection for the next king over Israel. Now therefore, come, let me pray thee, I pray thee, give thee counsel, that thou mayest save thine own life and the life of thy son Solomon. Go and get thee into King David and say unto him, Did not thou, my lord, O king, swear unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly Solomon, my son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. Why then does Adonijah reign? So, after the death of her first son, Absalom, who was killed, remember, in the battle, he swore and made an oath to Bathsheba that her son Solomon would be the next king over Israel. Verse 14. Behold, while thou yet talkest there with the king, I also will come in, that is Nathan, after you go ahead and address the king, after you've shared what's going on with Adonijah, I'll come behind you and I'll confirm all of your words. I will come in after thee and confirm thy words. Verse 15. And Bathsheba went in unto the king, into the chamber, and the king was very old. And Abiashag the Shumanite ministered unto the king, his nursemaid. And Bathsheba bowed and did obeisance unto the king David. And the king said, What wouldest thou? So obviously Bathsheba hadn't seen David for a long time. Verse 17. And she said unto him, My lord, thou swearest by the Lord thy God unto thine handmaiden, saying, Assuredly Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. And now behold, Adonijah reigneth. And now, my lord, the king, do you know what's going on? And he had slain oxen, he had prepared this feast, and fat cattle and sheep in abundance to persuade those who were invited to the feast. 
that he should be the next king. And he has called all the sons of the king, and Abiathar the high priest, and Joab the general, the captains of the host. But Solomon thy servant hath he not called. And thou, my lord, O king, notice here he says, the eyes of all Israel are upon you. And thou shouldst tell them who shall sit upon the throne of my lord, the king, after him. So obviously, David hadn't made his move to pick his successor, or at least he didn't make it known throughout the nation. Verse 21, Otherwise it shall come to pass, when my lord the king shall sleep with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon shall be counted offenders, or I think more accurately, be put to death by Adonijah. And lo, while she yet talked with the king, as I've already mentioned, Nathan the prophet also came in. And they told the king, saying, Behold, Nathan the prophet is here. And when he was come in before the king, he bowed himself before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord, O king, hast thou said that Adonijah shall reign after me? Is there something that I don't know about, O king? And he shall sit upon the throne? I wasn't aware of you appointing him as such, for he has gone down this day and has slain oxen and fat cattle and sheep in abundance and hath called all of the king's sons and the captains of the host and Abiathar the priest. And behold, they eat and drink before him and say, God save King Adonijah. So he's only confirming what had been told him by his wife Bathsheba. But me, thy servant, and Zadok, the priest, and Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and thy servant Solomon, hath he not called to attend the feast? Is this thing done by my lord, the king? And thou hast not showed it unto thy servant? Have you done this secretly? Do you approve of this, basically, is what he's suggesting here? That he should sit upon the throne of my lord, the king, after him? Then King David responded and answered and said, Call me Bathsheba. And she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore and said, and please take note of this. What a great testimony of David that is recorded here for us in verse 29. He said, As the Lord liveth, that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress. In other words, he's referring to God as his deliverer. What a great testimony. And I suspect that if any of us were given an opportunity, we would be able to describe our God, Jesus, in the same way as our deliverer. You know, looking back upon our lives, how many times has God delivered us out of all of our difficult circumstances and situations? So what a great testimony. But also I want you to notice here that he didn't say, David didn't say, he kept my soul from all distress. Do you see that? He didn't say that he kept him from all distress. Obviously, he was not immune, and neither are we, right? Just because we are Christians, just because we've been called to be uh, children of God, but nevertheless, God allows us to go through those difficulties in our life's experience only to prove us and to test us and to you know, cause us to depend more upon uh, him. So what a great testimony. As the Lord liveth, 
that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress. And then he goes on in verse 30. Even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, thy son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne in my stead. Even so will I certainly do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and did reverence to the king and said, Let my lord King David live forever. And King David said, Call me Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. And they came before the king. Now this was the king's council, verse 33. The king also said unto them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and cause Solomon, my son, to ride upon mine own mule and bring him down to Gihon. Now, the animal, this, the reference to the mule here, it wasn't a donkey, but rather a, a mule. A donkey would have been a hybrid, but a mule was a very precious animal. It was a very costly animal to be able to purchase. And the king always rode upon a a mule and not a donkey. So notice he says that the mule that had been set aside for David, it was his own personal mule, his counsel, let Solomon ride upon that mule. And by the way, just another bit of trivia, when a king went to battle, he didn't ride upon a mule, he rather rode upon a, a horse. So the horse was an animal of warfare. And I would also remind you that, remember, when Jesus triumphantly entered into Jerusalem, he rode upon a mule, and they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, cometh, here comes the king. So the idea here is that Solomon would be a king about to enter into his kingdom. And notice also the reference to Gihon. This is a reference to the springs of Gihon, which was the main source of water, for the city of Jerusalem. It was just outside of the city of Jerusalem. So people then would congregate there on a regular basis daily to get their water supply. So there would have been many people there. So he wants this done publicly. He wants Solomon to be consecrated and anointed as next king where there were many people present. So go down to the spring of Gihon. And then in verse 35, Then ye shall come up after him, that he may come and sit upon my throne, for he shall be king in my stead. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen, so be it. The Lord God of my Lord, the king, say so too. As the Lord hath been with my Lord, the king even so be with Solomon." and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord David. And so Zadok, the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Perethites, these were the bodyguards of David's, these were a part of David's mighty men. And they went down to the spring of Gihon, and they caused Solomon to ride upon King David's mule, and brought him to Gihon. You know, the equivalent of this would have been sort of like a presidential motorcade, if you will. You know, so just think of it in that way. And Zadok the priest 
took an horn of oil in the presence of all of these people that there were there at that spring, out of the tabernacle, and they anointed Solomon, and they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, God save the uh, king. So, now there was no question as to who David had chosen in his place. And then in verse 40, And all the people came up after him, and all the people piped with pipes or with flutes, and rejoiced with great joy, so that the earth rent with the sound of them. There was such rejoicing, there was great noise that they made. Now, back at the ball, remember Adonijah, his little party that was going on to muster up support for himself as the next king. All of a sudden, that was interrupted by this great noise and sound, the anointed of Solomon as the next king. Verse 41, And Adonijah, right in the midst of his ball, and all the guests that were with him heard it as they had made an end of eating. And when Joab, that is David's general, heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Wherefore is this noise? What's going on? Of the city, being in an uproar. And while he had spake, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest came, the high priest's son, came and said unto him, Come in, for thou art a valiant man, and bringest good tidings. Folks, let me tell you something. This was in good tidings that he brought. So what did he declare? Well, and Jonathan answered in verse 43, and said to Adonijah, Verily our Lord King David hath made Solomon king, and the king hath sent with him Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benoni the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites, and the Pelethites, and they have caused him to ride upon the king's mule. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king in Gihon, and they are come up from thence rejoicing, so that the city rang again. This is the noise that you have heard. And also Solomon sitteth upon the throne of the kingdom. And moreover, the king's servants came to bless our Lord, King David, saying, God make the name of Solomon better than thy name, and make his throne greater than thy throne. And the king bowed himself upon the bed. And also thus saith the king, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which hath given one to sit on my throne this day, mine eyes even seeing it. So this was the seal of approval. But notice, I want you to take special note of the reference here that David is, makes the reference to that in spite of everything that had been going on, this plot by this conspiracy of Adonijah, nevertheless, God was at work. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house. Thanks for listening today. In My Father's House is delighted to bring you Pastor Mike Venizio. Pastor Mike has been working through the book of 1 Kings, where we've encountered the reign of Solomon. One of Solomon's greatest achievements was the building of the temple. The temple he built was glorious. 
If you've ever wondered about how God feels about artistry, then you need to read 1 Kings 7, where the building and furnishing of the temple is described. Solomon could have kept it simple, but he ordered an abundance of artwork to honor God in this building. Artistry of all kinds can bring glory to God, the one who first created beauty. The first thing Solomon did when the new temple was complete was bring offerings to God. Part of our worship of God is offering Him our time and money. If you want to give to the work of God as a part of your worship, we would love to have you partner with us. It's easy. Just head over to our website, harvestnyc.org. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Come be a part of spreading the Word of God. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Manhattan. If you're out of the area, we'd still love to hear from you. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages have reached. We've reached the end of our time for today, but we'll be here again next time, and we hope you will too. See you right here on In My Father's House. Oh